We're going to go ahead and get started with our forum today. It's time. Um, so I'm going to introduce myself um, and then pass it to Adeline and then um, off to Sidra. So my name is Karen Abrams. I'm chair of the Environment Committee. If you were here last week, you heard that and you're hearing it again. Um, you can't hear me. Okay. Better. Um, I work closely with Reed. Uh, Dechon and Chris Moore, former co-chairs of the Environment Committee. We are organizing various educational fora for the season of creation. Um, a couple things about the Environment Committee um, that I wanted to share with you is we are focusing on the theme of climate right now, um, particular interest around climate justice. Looking ahead to the future, we are working on some relationship building with um, our affordable housing ministries, which is partly why Sidra is here today. Um, looking to develop relationships with the anti-racist ministry, the youth ministry, building and grounds committee. Um, once season of creation is over, we're gonna be turning our attention to Earth Day and the plant sale coming up this spring. So if any of those things interest you, I'm going to pass around a sign-up sheet. Um, and you can sign up and put your name down and email if you'd like to get on our email lists. So that's coming around. Um, today's forum is going to be Sidra, who is from Washington Interfaith Network. Last week, we heard from Dr. Jessica Mormon, director and CEO of the Evangelical Environment Network. She gave us a great talk about climate change and the role that we all play in climate change, the disproportionate impacts to the poor, um, the underserved, and she also made a strong case for how the work we can do to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, which helps reduce the impacts of climate change, can also be a benefit multiplier for those same people who are disproportionately um, experiencing the impacts of poverty, hunger, disease, etc. So we're really glad um, to have Sidra here with us today. Uh, like I said, she is with Washington Interfaith Network. She is a community organizer with a particular focus on their climate uh, work. So with that, Adeline, um, you could lead us in a prayer. That would be great. God be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, who is the breath of life, we ask that you would be present with us. Open our hearts and minds to all that we can learn about you and your creation. We pray that you would give us the wisdom of discernment, the courage for advocacy, and strength to persevere. Be present. Guide us. Love us and teach us to love. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's good to be here with you all today. 
Um, I came last year to St. Columbus and talked a lot about the work we were doing um, in our streets with um, gas testing outside and actually had the opportunity to go on a walk with some folks at St. Columbus around the church to see um, how gas was impacting us, not just in D.C., but directly in um, the church building. So I'm glad to be here once again um, to talk with you all about um, the intersections of housing and climate and health, because I know, and I'm sure many of you know, that they are, are, they are all so, so connected. Um, so uh, um, I work with the Washington Interfaith Network, which is a coalition of around 50 um, congregations, synagogues, mosques in D.C. to um, organize and um, act out justice on a number of different issues, from public safety to affordable housing, um, making sure folks are living in not just affordable housing, but affordable and dignified housing, so free of mold, um, a home that you're able to breathe safely in. Um, and this month of October, we have been partnering with Interfaith Power and Light, which some of you may also be familiar with. Um, they do some really great work on connecting faith to climate action um, in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Um, and we're gathered here today um, for Climate in the Pulpits all month. Different congregations and mosques are all going to be gathering together, learning together um, about the theme, which this year is For All That Has Breath. Um, and we're participating as a chance to really reflect on the harm that burning fossil fuels for energy is causing in our neighborhoods here in D.C. and just to the natural world. Um, but I'd like to um, take a moment um, before we get into the real meat of the discussion today to return to ourselves and to our breath. Um, so if you guys will indulge me, we can close our eyes just for a moment and take a couple deep breaths together. So if you want to inhale and exhale, inhale and exhale. Thanks. You can open your eyes. Um, so our breath connects us to each other and helps us find a common rhythm. Our breath links us um, for all that has breath and even to trees and plants that inhale, um, that exhale the oxygen for us to breathe in. So all living things are in conversation and breathing with one another. And ultimately, our breath connects us to the source of all life. And it's why we're gathered here today. Um, most traditions um, mention breath in their religious texts. So I'm Muslim. And um, in the Quran, we have the word nafaz, um, which is the word for breath. And the very first time it's mentioned um, is in the first couple of pages in the Quran where it's talking about um, the Lord and says, when I made him, I breathed my spirit into him. Um, and then we know in Psalms, um, it says, all that has breath declares God's glory together. So um, 
there's these links between all um, major faiths with breath, and yet in the district, um, there seems to be a problem now with um, the air quality. Do folks remember um, this past summer, um, there was a lot of wildfire smoke that brought weeks of haze. And, you know, in the pandemic, we got used to wearing our masks inside. And then we were finding that this past summer with the wildfires and um, the nitrogen dioxide and other pollutants that were in the air, we were having to wear our masks outside. Um, and for me, that hit really hard because um, during this work, um, we've been doing a lot of citizen science research, as we call it. And we had been taking nitrogen dioxide testers out to different kitchens. We actually tested the St. Columbus kitchen. One of these photos is of that. Um, and um, that's testing the exact same thing that we, that um, this past summer on the news with the wildfires when I was going outside, those were the same exact things. They were talking about um, outdoor air quality and we were testing indoor air quality and they used the same exact measurement system. Um, so when I tested the kitchen here at St. Columbus, you guys were in the green range, um, but in a lot, we've tested over 200 kitchens in the district so far and are finding that a lot of kitchens are twice, even three times what the EPA standard um, for outdoor air is. So that, those are the same numbers that when we were outside during that wildfire smoke, folks were being asked to mask up. Um, yet, those are the numbers that when we're in our kitchens and turning our stove on, um, those are the exact same numbers at the exact same levels of nitrogen dioxide. Um, so for me, that really put into perspective that there's a lot of, um, a lot going on in our kitchens that aren't yet visible. Um, so we've been doing the citizen science work to try and turn the invisible of methane gas visible. Um, and uh, through that process have also been learning amongst ourselves a lot about methane gas. Because we come to this work as organizers, we're not scientists, although we're um, uh, now when we talk sometimes it sounds like we are and we're um, learning more about gas every day. But what our team um, has learned really, um, there's uh, two really strong teams right now in Ward 7 and Dean Wood and River Terrace. Um, who have been going door to door asking their neighbors if they want um, their gas stove tested to learn more about the air quality. And um, what we're finding is that um, smaller, and it makes sense, but smaller kitchens um, have higher concentrations of gas when you're turning your gas stove on. And that's not great for folks' health. It increases um, chances to develop asthma. Um, it's not great for older folks. Um, it increases chances of things like COPD, other respiratory conditions. Um, and it's also not great for the environment. Um, but when we're going into folks' homes and testing that gas, um, a lot of times it's because, um, you know, the ventilation systems aren't really working great. So they'll turn the fan on, but um, it doesn't vent to the outside or the kitchen's really tight because it's a public housing unit and you only get a certain amount of square footage. Um, and it's really showing for me that um, 
even though uh, many kitchens might have gas, it's really impacting those who are lower income more. So um, for those who heard the talk last week, um, you might have uh, um, put those connections together that those folks who are, who are low income are experiencing the brunt of climate change first. And to me, that means that they need to be the first ones to reap the benefits. And we're in a really unique moment of time right now because there's a lot of federal money with the Inflation Reduction Act. There's um, 300 billion nationwide, um, and DC's gonna receive a good amount of that. And we have the power to help shape what that looks like in our district and to say, we don't want that just to go to only um, folks who can afford you know, a rebate, so you buy it upfront. Um, you might buy an electric water heater or electric heat pump, or you might try and get solar panels, but um, you're just gonna get a rebate for that, so you have to buy it up front first. Um, that leaves a lot of people out, um, and uh, it also means that those, if those who are wealthier are transitioning off of gas first, then that means those who are left on the gas systems um, their rates are going to raise. They're going to be um, dealt with um, paying for all of this gas infrastructure um, and not given the supports needed to help out. So what we're envisioning instead um, is that those, um, those who are making 80% AMI, um, which is the area median income um, in DC, are going to be the first to receive the climate benefits. We're proposing that um, those families are the first to electrify um, and are given ample support. And of course, it's still a choice. Miss Rosalie, one of the leaders in River Terrace, likes to joke around and be like, sometimes I'm walking around my neighborhood um, you know, with my gas leak detector, and um, neighbors are coming up to me saying like, oh, I see that detector in your hand, Rosa. Are you going to come like try and rip out my gas stove next? And um, that's not at all what we're asking. We're um, trying to give resources for those who want to transition, um, make sure they have ample resources to do so. Um, because we know that below the ground, um, the pipe that brings gas to um, homes, it leaks. It leaks potent um, climate-disrupting methane into the air. Um, and uh, um, I mentioned uh, um, a couple of years ago, um, teams from a dozen congregations in DC, including St. Columbus, they um, measured nearly 400 methane gas leaks in the district. And over a dozen of those were already at levels that could cause an explosion. Um, so of course, we, when we found those, we did call Washington Gas. And um, depending on what area we were in, they would either come very quickly or um, come very slowly. So. Um, we found a gas leak in Ward 3 around like Woodley Park area and called it in. Um, Washington Gas sent some firefighters to come out immediately um, with some equipment and, you know, they had a plan ready immediately to, you know, like this is how long it's going to take to patch up that gas leak, but for now we're going to um, drill some holes to help, you know, that gas escape so it's not all concentrated in one area. The very same thing happened when we were in Ward 7 in River Terrace. There was a gas leak. Someone was walking their dog and actually smelt the gas and was like, oh, come over here, test this one, because they saw us with our equipment. 
we did the exact same thing. We called, we said the exact same stuff. And instead, the response we got was um, someone from Washington Gas saying, oh, that number that you're giving us, that's only halfway to the explosive level. It, which is ridiculous. It was, first of all, it was higher than the number that we found when we were testing in Woodley Park. Um, but that got a very quick response. And then second, um, we know gas levels can change very quickly. So it's, if it's already in that lower explosive limit is what we call it, um, that could become dangerous very quickly. So after we hung up that call from Washington Gas, we ended up calling 911 and then the firefighters came out and did some things. But um, it's really showed that um, gas is leaking everywhere, but people are being treated differently in the district based on where they live. And, um, uh, you know, the Washington Gas, whenever they're at um, any council building activities, you know, they end their statements around gas leaks with, like, a generic message saying, you know, if you smell gas, call Washington Gas and we'll come and help. But we're finding that that actually is not the solution um, for many folks. Um, and. Uh, the only solution there that we see is that we transition off of gas, that we're no longer reliant on this fossil fuel. And the alternative is to move on to electricity. Um, and with electricity, there's always options for ways to make that more energy efficient, whether it's solar or wind. Um, but with gas, you really don't have that opportunity to get even more green. Um, so we learned about those, um, how gas was running under the streets, um, below the ground, and then above the ground, um, burning gas inside our homes. It hurts young folks who breathe um, indoor air pollution. Um, and our partners in Maryland have also been doing this work. So um, if you're interested, um, later we can um, send around a sign up and um, you can sign up to get your own gas stove tested if you're interested in how it is in your kitchen. We'd be um, happy to have one of our citizen scientists that we've been training come out and test that for you guys. Um, and um, ultimately above the ground, way, way above the ground, up in the atmosphere. We know that gas has um, been pouring heat-trapping pollutants into our skies, accelerating the climate crisis. So the truth of the matter is your breath, my breath, our breath, um, the very breath of all life is polluted by con the continued burning of fossil fuels. Um, so this morning, um, I'm here to invite everyone to use your breath for the sacred purpose of speaking out um, and raising our voices together um, through community organizing um, and call for repair and for protection um, of our breath in the District of Columbia. Um, so um, we'll pass out in a moment these um, yellow slips that we've got right here um, that um, we're creating a petition to send to council to pass the Healthy Homes Act. So that's um, legislation that would um, help move some of those IRA dollars um, into low-income communities first and make sure that folks have the opportunity to 
um, electrify um, at zero cost to them. So um, I talked a little bit about rebates earlier. So instead of individuals having to buy it upfront and getting those rebates, um, the district, the Department of Energy and Environment in the district would be the one receiving those rebates from the federal government and then um, buying it upfront and giving it to residents. And then they're the ones that get that um, rebate rather than us, the consumers. Um, so it really opens the opportunity up for um, more folks to be able to access those Inflation Reduction Act dollars. Um, and also, um, that, that doesn't just help folks, um, like electrification doesn't just help folks, um, you know, breathe cleaner air, but it helps save dollars on their utility bill. A lot of folks have really aged out equipment and by getting this newer energy efficient equipment, um, electric bills, um, we're seeing our, um, you know, either staying the same even though they're using more electricity um, or um, in some cases are going down. Um, and it also is allowing folks to stay in their homes. We've been talking with a lot of folks. Um, Wynn has a black equity through home ownership team. And when they were speaking with um, Washingtonians who were born in the district, raised here, um, why they were considering moving out, um, it was ultimately it's too expensive. And even though they own homes, they have generational homes that were passed down to them, it's expensive to keep up. There's homes that have furnaces that go out every, um, every winter and heating systems that don't work, so they have these big window AC units um, that they rely on every year. Um, and in many public housing buildings that we've spoken to, um, and they don't have control right now over their own um, units, AC or heating. So a lot of the times in the um, winter, it's actually way too hot in their um, unit and they end up opening the window and um, turning the, a the window AC unit on, which is in the, um, in the winter, they're turning that AC on because their homes are just so boiling hot. Um, and that's just, uh, a bad use of money on DCHA, the housing authorities part, because you're using all this money on um, heating folks' homes and you're heating it way too well. And then um, folks are also experiencing mold when that um, excessive utility bill they're receiving, that money could be spent for way better things like mold remediation. Um, so, um, not only would electrification be um, helping folks with their utility bills, with their health, um, with the climate, but it would be helping keep families in D.C. Um, and keep home ownership um, in generations that have held it. Um, so um, we can go ahead and pass these out, but um, I'm happy to open it up for any questions that folks have. I know we touched on um, a lot of different things and um, sometimes it can be hard to imagine a clean energy future where for all that has breath, um, all things that are breathing are cared for. Um, but maybe this morning gathered together, um, 
we can try. We can take one step towards trying to reach that vision. Um, there's a poet that I like, Arundhati um, Roy, who writes, another world is not only possible, she is on her way. On a quiet day, I hear her breathing. So as we take action now by filling out these um, cards, calling on council to pass um, the Healthy Homes Act, calling on council to uh, make sure low-income folks have the resources to transition off of gas, um, I hope that it may, um, we may usher in that new day and that um, we are quiet enough to hear that the breathing of the new world is on her way. So, thank you. Yes, you can, yes. Um, so, um, WIN organizes primarily in DC, um, but Interfaith Power and Light, our partner for Climate in the Pulpits, um, does organizing work in Maryland. So, um, if you are in Maryland and just want to um, like write MD on your card, then it'll, it can be used for um, pushing for um, what's called the Empower legislation, which I admittedly know less details about, but um, is similarly um, working to get low-income folks um, in Maryland um, off of gas. Yeah, so if you want to fill it out and then, what's the best way of collecting them if we, and you want to put them on the podium um, on your way out, then we'll, we'll be sure to send them over to council. So if folks have any questions for Sidra, if there's a mic set up right there, um, go ahead and start thinking about your questions and asking them. Um, oh, I, looks like Reed is headed to the mic. Sidra, could you tell us a little bit more about the Healthy Homes Act? Who's introducing it? Where is it in the process? And what else we can do to help, like hearings or whatever? <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, um, the Healthy Homes Act, there was a hearing about it this past spring, um, and we organized 86 folks co to come out and testify, um, which was really fabulous. Um, so uh, um, after there's a hearing, then bills um, are marked up based on you know what the council member heard during that hearing, so for us, um, we were really pushing to make sure that it was accessible not just to homeowners but to renters. Um, so if a renter is low income, that, um, that homeowner would still qualify and be able to retrofit that home for the resident. So that was one of the recommendations we had. Um, another recommendation we had that was um, for multifamily buildings. Um, that it qualifies for electrification under this program if 51% um, of those residents are, are income qualified. So if you have a, a unit uh, or a building that's um, 10 units in there and six folks are income qualified but the others aren't, we still think that um, the entire building should be able to be electrified. Um, so those were two of the recommendations we had. Um, so um, uh, right now it's in the process of being marked up 
um, by the Committee for Transportation and Environment, which is where that bill sits. Um, and then once it's marked up, which actually will hopefully be um, any day now, um, then I'll move to the Committee of the Whole, which is the entire DC Council, um, where it'll be marked up and then voted on. So we're looking at passage hopefully by the end of the year. Um, which is why it's super important right now that this is the last moment to get our voices in and make sure our council members know that it's something that we support. Good morning and thank you for coming. We appreciate it. Um, my question, just thinking about the city, I'm going to guess that just about every house in the city has gas. Yep. And the transfer to electricity for the whole city is a, is a massive project. Do you think the electrical grid in the city could stand it if we all plugged in at the same time and turned on our gas heaters and our stoves? Yeah, if we did that all immediately, like this very second, no, definitely not. But um, so Pepco has plans to um, really increase um, the power of their electric grids, which is um, a big step. And then also, um, as we increase the amount of folks that are using solar, um, that also helps that electric burden. Um, but um, yes, a lot of homes right now are on gas, but a lot of older homes, a lot of, um, so the new homes that are being built right now um, especially multifamily buildings, um, they're not being built on gas. Um, a lot of those developers know by um, now that that is not the direction the district is heading. So they don't want to have to retrofit everything um, 30 years down the line when they're being forced to. They're building thing, um, buildings now that are running on electric. Um, so yeah, the big the big um, thing is really making sure that the existing stock is keeping up with that. Okay, right. now we also, as a parish, support an organization called Rebuilding Together, and so each year we go and work on at least one home in the city, trying to make it better. Would you suggest that we look at replacing? gas for, uh, for electricity, electric stoves, electric heat, whatever can be done um, as a priority in, in our work? Yes, definitely. I would recommend that and I can also help you get connected to some resources to help figure out exactly how to do that. Um, Rewiring America has a lot of great materials for um, what would be possible with the Inflation Reduction Act in D.C., um, exactly what appliances, um, and not just appliances, but, you know, weatherization and making sure our buildings are climate resilient, um, making sure that if you're on a floodplain, um, that there's extra steps taken um, for that home to make sure that it isn't going to flood during a heavy rain period, um, those kinds of things. So the DC Green Bank has a lot of great stuff, rewiring, rewiring America, um, and then a lot of that money in the district 
flows through the DC Sustainable Energy Utility, DCSEU. Um, so those are all great resources. Do, do you have this, this uh, list online somewhere? Mm -hmm. or anything? Can we go to your website? And yeah, it? yeah, definitely. You can either, um, I would recommend going to the Beyond Gas DC website. It's Beyond Gas DC. Beyond Gas. Mm -hmm. um, right. So Beyond Gas is a coalition of nonprofits in DC, Washington Interfaith Network, Sierra Club, and Interfaith Power and Light. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Sidra. Um, great questions, Tom. Um, just looking at the time here. Okay. So the one question I had, it's related back to the Healthy Homes Act and thinking back to the presentation we heard last week um, about the disproportionate impacts on low-income communities in terms of utility costs, also just reflecting on the incredible climate impact of methane and nitrous oxide, it's orders of magnitude greater than CO2. So getting the stuff out of our air, absolutely a priority if we're interested in climate change and also if we care about um, low-income um, affordability uh, at ho in homes. So thinking about the Healthy Homes Act, can you speak to does the act um, obligate the city to expend um, DC dollars itself, or is this really more about prioritizing how the city spends the um, Inflation Reduction Act funds that they are set to receive? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's a combination. Um, so the Inflation Reduction Act dollars actually haven't hit um, the district or any of the states yet. Um, we, um, the Department of Energy federally just gave guidance for the um, local departments of energy on how they can prepare for using that money, but the money hasn't actually hit um, the district yet. So right now, the um, Healthy Homes Act would be um, funded through what's called the Sustainable Energy Trust Fund, which is just a bucket of money in the um, district's budget. Um, and um, so right now it's um, local district dollars um, from the budget, just like um, you know, public safety is a part of the district's budget or anything that the district does, whether it's repairing potholes or um, education programs. It's just part of that larger um, bucket of money. But it's set up um, for in the first couple of years um, to begin accelerating the number of homes that we're able to reach once it's passed. And by that point, we'll be able to funnel the Inflation Reduction Act dollars into it. So it actually sets us up really nice. A lot of other um, states don't have programs like this yet, so they'll have to start from scratch um, once they get the Inflation Reduction Act um, dollars in, but we're able to kind of set DC up for acting faster um, by combining local and federal dollars. Hi. I just wanted to say thank you for coming back <clears throat> for this ongoing work. It's going to take some persistence. I wanted to ask a question about trees. Um, trees are another element of environmental justice. Is WIN working on this or other organizations or the D.C. Uh, government to plant trees in 
Yeah, um, uh, for trees, my go-tos are always Casey trees and then what it, um, Ward 8 Woods. Um, they do really good work on making sure that um, the district is planting trees and planting trees equitably. So um, the shade and the, um, the, um, the heat in the district is um, more equitable. Um, but um, so wind supports that work for sure. We aren't organizing actively around it, but um, our hope is that when we're signing folks up to um, take part in the Healthy Homes Act program, we'll be able to show them a menu of stuff that they can have. Like if you want um, a rain garden with native plants, these are the places to go in the district that do that. Um, if you want um, uh, solar, this is how you get that. Here's where you get the appliances um, retrofitted. If you want a tree from KC Trees, here's how you get that. Um, so it's a real menu of options. And where I mean, because there's not one thing we need to do to make the district better um, with climate standards. There's going to be a lot of steps that we need to take. And um, the, the easier we can make it a one-stop shop to do that, I think the better off we'll be. So uh, one, one uh, suggestion for people who live in Montgomery County, the county has been pretty forward-looking on electrifying homes, but it's not a simple matter. It's not something you want to do on your own, working with gas lines and so forth. So uh, there's uh, a website, Electrify MC or My Green Montgomery, and they'll actually send people to your home and tell you what you uh, should consider doing to make your house electric uh, in, a, in a sensible way. So that's, that's a pitch. But I want to ask a different question, Sidra, which is that working with the Washington Interfaith Network uh, on affordable housing in Ward 3, uh, uh, A, how is that going? And B, I remember that there was a focus that whatever new housing would be built would be all electric and so forth. So Perhaps you could say something about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And um, uh, the Word 3 team has really been um, doing a lot of door knocking recently. So if you'd like to get connected to that, um, then uh, I'm more than happy to put you in touch um, if you want to um, either reach out to me or you can go on Wynn's website and find more info information for that but um yeah they've been doing a lot of door knocking around um affordable housing in ward three and making sure that um affordable housing can be found everywhere um they're working on some specific projects and i know um folks at st columbus um like elizabeth Baden um probably have better updates for <laughs> than i do on the specifics of those um projects like at um the chevy chase library and um those so um uh, I, I would recommend reaching out to them um, for those updates, but there, yeah, there's definitely some stuff ramping up. Um, yeah, and, and thank you for mentioning the Maryland work. That's um, it's really important that we make sure um, Washington Gas it serves DC and um, Montgomery County as well. So um, uh, when we're, the district is transitioning off of gas, we want to make sure that. Um, our neighbors in Montgomery County are also. Um, and we do have citizen scientists trained um, from Interfaith Power and Light to come out um, in Maryland um, and with our six sister organization, Action in Montgomery. Um, 
our, all of our sister organizations kind of all have those like win, aim, act, those kind of names. So if um, you hear one of those and um, there's a couple in Maryland, so um, we're, we're still able to come out and test your stove. Um, well, I just wanted to thank you again, Sidra, um, for this talk and also just wanted to give another shout out to Elizabeth Vaden and Cami and the team all involved with the affordable housing initiatives here at St. Columbus, uh, very active in Ward 3. And we have been, what are we, relationally meeting, cross-ministry collaboration doing, um, and really excited about that. And that's partly uh, why we're so happy that you were able to come today, Sidra, because what you're talking about speaks to so many things that are important um, and our strategic priorities for St. Columbus. So if you have filled out the yellow sheet um, and you want to drop it off, you can either give it to me or put it on the podium. And thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me.